Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtun Millwall. Free kick. Williams will take the right side, the right side free kick. It's about halfway inside the, the Everton halves. Everyone's gone forward. Everton, they've got everyone back. It's floated into the mix. Ball bounces down. Welcome, 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 thrice. Welcome to the Den, dear listeners, for the visit of Hull City in today's championship fixture, August 31st, 2019. Last official day of summer, I believe. Lions come into today's game on the back of a really decent point, I thought, up there at Middlesbrough last Saturday. Let's discount the comedy of errors at Oxford on uh, Tuesday night in the League Cup, where we gave up a 2 0 lead late, 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 and managed to wank angle our way out of a competition that would have generated a home fixture, potentially generate a home fixture against West Ham in the next round, but let's not dwell on that because we've got business to attend to here today. Uh, Hull City not doing very well in 20th position coming into today's match. Played five, drawn one, uh, one one, drawn one, lost three. So they're in the poor shape, we hope today. Lions, by contrast, sitting high at the table in 11th position in the table respectability, high by our standards. Base team news for your dear listeners. As I retrieve my iPhone out of my pocket, apologies to the delay there. If you really enjoy the Roy Green song, but with Mr. Mondo, as I retrieve this out of my pocket. In goal today is Bielkowski, backline Romeo Cooper, Pierce and Murray Wallace. Across the middle, Connor Mahoney, Brian Leonard, Ben Thompson. Jed Wallace returns after his suspension and up front we see Big Matt Smith, Matthew Smith and Tom Bradshaw. Uh, a lot of... Um, favourable talk online about that's the team I would have chosen 4-4-2 at last and the rest of it so uh, let's hope that the uh, performance matches the the, the warmth of welcome that's received online today's 
substitute benches. Luke Steele, Sean Hutchinson, Sean Williams dropped to the bench. Shane Ferguson, not the eternal substitute, it seems, this season. Jason Malumbi apparently did very well there up at uh, Kassam Stadium. In the week, Aidan O'Brien's dropped to the bench. And John Daddy, who scored two, should have had a hat-trick and apparently played very, very well. So I'm really intrigued to see some of these names. I still haven't seen... John Daddy in uh, you know in, in playing on the pitch, nor, nor Jason Malumbi for that matter. So let's uh, hope at some stage today, with a good performance, we can see them both. Beautiful, beautiful afternoon here in South Bermondsey. Wind fluttering the flags on the docker stand opposite me. It's a lovely um, late summer's afternoon, cool. Well, not, not as hot as it has been. As Lennon McCartney laid down the, the groove, Lions will be attacking the Away end, as is right and proper since the time of the dissolution of the monasteries and Henry VIII, an English common law prior to that. Whole city in their famous amber and black. Playing towards the cold low lane in the first half. Lions obviously in their familiar dark green white shirts. Away we go, dear listeners. Early hump forwards from the from the whole six straight into the arms of Big Bartman, Bielkowski in, in gold, clad in all in red today, dear listeners. Three spells in the Premier League, of course, for Hull City uh, in the early uh, well, the 2000s, then 2016-17, their most recent spell in the, in the top flight. And famously won the worst kit of all time for a designer tiger, tiger print kit, I think it was, back in the day in the 90s. They had the worst kit of all time, They're kind of like it was an amber and black tiger skin type turnout. This one's not so bad, it's like a plain amber shirt and black shorts. Here Ben Thompson coming down the, the, the left. This is uh, Mahoney, ball into the box. He's into the arms of the all-green clad goalkeeper. And four minutes, comes into five minutes. Works for pressure, finds Jed Weiss nicely. Brink gives it to Marlon Romeo coming down the right. Can he shoot? He's got no power behind it. Smith wanted in, in on near the centre spot there, but Marlon took the shot on. It was low, but no power on five and a half minutes. So the first opportunity for the Lions. Nice pass out from Tom Bradshaw there. I think we're uh, you know, starting to see the benefit of, of, of his signing after that year of injury. He seems to have a little a bit of touch, a bit of vision about him, and of course the ability to finish, as we've seen this season so far. A bit of passing inside our own half here for you. Does it always get a sense with Millwall passing in triangles in our own half? It's going to go badly wrong with us. Other teams do it at will, but we don't ever look truly comfortable, but we are doing it at the moment. Six and a half minutes into the game. A lot of triangles back to the falls of Bielkowski and this is Cooper. You just get a sense that there's a disaster moving. I want to shout, get the fucking thing forwards. Get the fucking thing forward, it does. Bielkowski lumps it forwards. Over the top, finds Mace Smith on the edge of the penalty. There he goes down. Fields a penalty. Given! Wow! Penalty. I think it was a soft penalty. To be really honest with you, dear listeners, we've won the penalty. The whole players look incensed. They probably saw what I saw, which was a ball over the top. Matt Smith challenges and goes down. Referee rules the penalty. Nine minutes. I think that was the experience, all the years of experience of Matt Smith in the top flight game there. Work that penalty for the Lions. Early chance now to go goal up with uh, Jed Wallace. He's got to do the business. No VAR review. Let's put it that way in the championship this season, Dennis. So ticking towards 10 minutes on the stadium clock. It's going to be Jed that steps up to take. Here we go. Jed takes. Absolutely brilliant execution there by Jed Wallace. Welcome back to the side, Jed Lee Wallace. Mill 1, Hull City 0. 
to see again on the uh, on the replay. Here's what it's in there, just watching the replay. Take your power top top left hand corner. As you're trained to do at school with the old um, brickwork. Do you used to have brickwork, you know, numbered um, slots on the other goal? Three, it's in the three section, top right, top left. Good start from Millwall. I think that was an experienced fall over there by Matt Smith. Um, hole straight from the kickoff, however. Let's not um, give it away by sloppiness. We don't put your poor sloppiness. Ball breaks. This is Connor Mahoney. Long ball forwards trying to find Brad Shaw, but cut out there by the whole city defence. What's that message from Doug Hume out there in, in Sweden? Big welcome to Doug, who says, watching on the stream clearly, um, having given a penalty, the referee should have awarded a red card there. I haven't seen enough of it back yet, Doug, but I'll go with your, your call on that. You've got the benefit of the, of the eye follow. All breaking your play allows me to find this quote from the, the whole city chairman, Asim Alam, who wanted to change the name to Whole Tigers, football club. Um, he's quoted to David Conn, who's been um, active in the Berry story this week. We covered that on the fans' uh, show the other night. Uh, but he told David Conn, the Guardian, uh, in a few years, many clubs will follow his lead here, changing names, changing their name for something more interesting, more interesting than the whole city. And I have proved that I am a leader, he says. Uh, he went on to say, I've never been a football fan. I'm still not a football fan. I'm a community fan, whatever that might be. So uh, his reasoning being that Hull City's poor marketing name, Hull Tigers, was, was better. I think um, it's part of the problem of modern football, dear listeners. Anyway, the whole uh, defender's limping off there. I think we've got uh, knocked in the melee at 25. And we should be able to restart now. Be a substitute. Alberto Ilos Piet. Trios de Paranoias did a song called Juan Lopez, Lone Goat Herd, who sat upon a hill. Probably a reference that will escape many. Possibly the majority of the listeners of the show, but I don't care. My show. My rules. My gaff. Whole City free kick. Halfway inside the middle half to the left. 17 minutes on the clock. Bit of a delay whilst the 25 received treatment and left the game. In it comes. Deep, 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 deep. It's over the, straight into the goal. Wow. Over the head of everybody, straight over Belkowski into the net. One all. 17 and a half minutes. Wow, that's, that stunned everybody in the stadium. I thought it was over the top and uh, going out of play, to be honest. It was escaped everybody's gone into the net. It's one each. Equalizers knocked the stuffing out of the stadium slightly. It's been a fairly quiet afternoon so far. A little bit of. Uh, Inspiration for the Lions after the goal, but not much since, and that's really not the stuffing out of the the den. Mistake by Ryan Miller, almost gives the ball away. Thank you, do recover on 21 minutes. A little bit of defensive slackness by the Lions, who A to concede the goal, but also there from Ryan Leonard. To some comment, as you can appreciate from the from the West Upper. Halfway through the first half now, 22 minutes. The score obviously won all after that um, bright opening with the penalty being won by Matt Smith so well to concede such a um, avoidable goal. It was a well-struck shot, whether cross, whatever you want to call it, but to be beaten from that distance will not uh, make the goalkeeper happy. Very flat atmosphere inside the stadium at the moment, 23 minutes. We're conceding possession back to Hull quite cheaply, strikes me. Another free kick there for Hull City, about halfway inside the middle half to the left. 
Shirt were um, disparaging towards Leonard. A record signing, Ryan Leonard, of course. Whether we've seen that value from him yet, I doubt. Will we? Who knows? Free kick for Hull. Most I amuse on these, on these um, subjects. Another long distance uh, cross towards the, the right. I said flag's been up, let's go up for an offside. They're just starting to un unpick our defence, dear listeners. It's worrying to see. I think the team need a bit of a, a rocket. Rocket from the crypt at half time, but we're some of the distance from that yet. 20, 27 minutes now, left side of the corner, and it comes. Deep, 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 headed back into the mix and cleared. Free kick given. International break, of course, next week. You do wonder whether it's um, coming at a good time for for the Lions. We've made a, a moderate start for the season, mid-table respectability coming into today's game. One or two knocks and injuries. Scalak not in the, in the squad today. Jed returned, obviously, after after sub, uh, suspension. But next week's, uh, you know, two weeks break might do us a bad a bad turn in the current circumstances. 28 minutes. Tom Bradshaw chased down a bit of a lost calls there and wins a, a left-sided corner as we tip towards 29 minutes. That's brought the crowd into play. A little bit of, little bit of um, effort and a little bit of um, do or die, as they say. So one, two, Demonet. This is this is Mahoney gets pushed from behind. Surely a free kick. No, he's given a corner. Left-sided corner. 32 minutes. Good work there by Ryan Leonard to win that corner. Connor Mahoney will now take. Have a chance for Lions to dip the ball into the danger zone. There's been a little bit of pushing and shoving. Referee's been quite quick on the whistle. We've got uh, Smith coming in now. Far punch, lot of arms and legs. Powers for penalty. I don't think we'll get two out of the referee. All clatters into touch on the far right side. Enlivening proceedings slightly. I'm just trying to remember. I remember a book by, I think it was R.D. Lang. It was a book on the nature of boredom. And the, the, the author's solution was to try to uh, enjoy the boredom rather than to, to be you know worn down by it. So I'm trying to enjoy the boredom at the moment, 33 minutes into it. It wasn't R.D. Lang, it was someone else. It would come to me who that author was. It was Colin Wilson, the uh, more famously uh, author of the History of the Occult. It was one of his other works that I read. Hard work. As a, as a read, it was hard work. It was as boring as what he was trying to encourage you not to, uh, uh, you know, I should have taken pleasure in the boredom of his book, I suppose. Anyway, 34 minutes until 38 minutes. And, uh, stern challenges going unpunished in midfield there. Ryan Leonard rolling around on the floor. Hull do break, 38 minutes. This is on the edge of the D. They're trying to find men in space and find them 20. Shot on goal, falls to the... Oh, he's missed the sitter. Oh, the, uh, the uh, shot from... Uh, the 20 was batted away by Bajolkowski into the path of the striker who's missed an absolute sitter. Should have been 2-1 to hold there. 38 minutes, the crowd are howling for free kicks that weren't given. But that was a, a, actually a screaming opportunity there for Hull City. They would be livid to have missed that one. 38 minutes. As the half has worn on, the Hull have looked increasingly dangerous and the Lions have looked increasingly toothless in all, in all honesty. So uh, the Lions will go into the dressing room very, very shortly feeling as though there's work still to be done in the second half. Certainly Neil Harris won't be happy with the overall display. It's been a rather flat half of football for Millwall. And there goes the half-time whistle. I'm going to take you now to a little interview I, I did with a, an up-and-coming Millwall boxer. 
by the name of Chris Bourke. I met him in the week at the famous, world famous Peacock Gym in Canning Town. He's fighting soon at the York Hall on the 14th of September. He needs Millwall support to be in the house. He's on a, a 4 0 winning record and he wants to make that 5 0 against a Nicaraguan opponent, Jose Hernandez. So, this is my interview I, I did with Chris the other day. Hope you enjoy it. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. All right, big welcome to the show now to um, a Millwall supporting boxer, Chris Burke. Welcome to the show, Chris. Yes, thank you. Nothing that Millwall fans like more than a Millwall supporting boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, reason we're talking, we're actually outside the, the famous Peacock Gym in Canning Town, which I believe, according to my research, was home to, to Lennox Lewis and Frank Bruno in, in the day, I believe. Yeah, there's been a lot of famous boxers come through this gym. Uh, so it's probably one of the most famous gyms in the country. Including yourself, we hope, in, yeah, in due course. That's the um, plan. Now, you're fighting on the 14th, I think, uh, 14th of September at the York Hall. Yeah, 14th of September at York Hall is a uh, big Frank Warren show, so I'm looking forward to it. Who's your opponent on the night there, Chris? I've got Jose Hernandez from Nicaragua. Tough kid. Okay. So, big night looming up. Um, this is obviously part of... Uh, you've turned pro relatively recently, I Yeah. Think. I've been busy, you know. I've been pro for under a year, and this is my fifth fight coming up. I've had four fights already, four knockouts, so I'm just trying to keep that 100% KO ratio going, really. So, Millwall fans, a Millwall supporting boxer who likes to knock blokes out. Exactly, that's that's yeah. got to be worth um, <laughs> a, a marketing uh, boy yeah. there. Um, so... You were big in amateur boxing, Chris. You, you, I was looking at your record, 69 fights. That's quite, yeah, a, that's I had quite a, a lot. I had a good amateur career. I started boxing when I was 15. I'm 24 now. Um, I, I boxed for originally Ballum, in Ballum, for Ballum Boxing You're Club. from Streatham? From Streatham, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, all my dad's side are from Peckham. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Hence Stop. the Millwall connection. Yeah, that's it, yeah. They're, uh, my dad and his uncles are big Millwall fans, okay. yeah, so they go every weekend. Um, but yeah, started when I was 15, I had six, about 69 amateur fights, won about 56, 57 of them. Uh, boxed for Team GB for three years. Uh, yeah, I've been, I was quite blessed really, I, was, I went around the world doing what I love. Yeah, I was seeing Kazakhstan, you yeah. like an away, uh, is it the England Linearts? Or the yeah, it was, a, it was the British Linearts, it was, okay. it, was a, it was a different tournament called the WSB, so... This is like a match between two teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was like five boxers v five boxers in different weight classes. In Kazakhstan, yeah, that must have been an experience. It was amazing. I didn't realize boxing's Kazakhstan's national sports. So when we went out there, we got treated so well. Okay. Um, but the boxers out there are quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose you know, not, yeah. not that I am a, a huge um, fan of boxing, but I suppose you're going to face it the further you go, aren't you? So I That's it. Yeah. Go, it's never, it's never all good experience. Um, but your gold and silver medalist in one of the tournaments out there. Yeah, I went to my first competition for Team GB. I went to Macedonia and I got two first round knockouts and boxer of the tournament as well. Right. Yeah. Now you are a bantamweight. Super bantam. Super yeah. bantamweight. Can you explain to me and any listeners like me? Yeah. What the fine differences are between bantam oh, and super? There's very little in between the weights. So the super bantam limit is, I believe, 55.4 kilos. Kilos. Yeah. So, so in stone, it's tiny. That's, around, that's about just, seven or eight stone it's just, Yeah, it's about eight stone ish. Yeah, just over. Well, look, my old dad used to tell me, Chris, it's the wiry blokes you've got to watch out yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's why I've got. That's why I've never been a fighter. Um, <laughs> now you, you, you're training here at the Peacock Gym, famous one. You, you trains Martin Bowers. Who, yeah, I believe is a, is a well-known trainer. Yeah, world-class trainer. Uh, he's had quite a few champions, but it's not just mine. There's a team of coaches. We have Rabel, who's also a big Millwall fan. Right. Um, I think his boy used to play for Millwall actually. Oh, but, uh, yeah, Ronnie. Yeah. Ronnie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He used oh, to play, yeah. Um, and Andre and Eric right. as well. So there's quite a few coaches for us. Now you've gone from amateur boxing to pro boxing. One thing I do know is the levels of dedication have to go up yeah. proportionally from the amateur scene to yeah. the professional scene. Presumably, when you're an amateur, you're working for a living as well. Well, yeah. I mean, even as a pro, really, it's, if like, I'm quite blessed that I have a few sponsors, Parameter Developments and Artel Scaffolding, where they give me a bit of money, so I don't have to to finish training and then go straight to work because right. what I was doing I was I was training now from 9.30 till 12 here at the Peacocks and then from there in my work boots I'd go straight into town and do a bit of labouring for half right. a day for a bit of money yeah. wow um, yeah so it's full on it's, that's a hard that's a hard so it's a long week yeah, it's a long yeah. Week. that's a good you're, way you're dead in training at, at the end of the week it's clearly in your blood Chris this is this, you don't do that kind of routine you don't do this what you're doing now no nah. Unless you love the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's my life really. I eat it, live it, sleep it. First fight I was reading was 15 years old? Yeah, 15 uh, at Ballant Boxing Club. And do you know what? I never really spoke to anyone about it before I had a fight. And then, like, never spoke to my old man about boxing or anything like that. And then never I had showed my... in the interest as a, nah, as a kid. Yeah, just. What took you there? What, what... Well, one of my mates. I used to get into a few fights at school and one of my mates said um, he's going <laughs> to a boxing gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of so my this mates was like scrapping at school? Yeah. Like yeah. No, nothing serious, but yeah. like, I used to quite enjoy it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> one of my mates was going to a boxing gym and asked if I wanted to go. And right. I was like, yeah, sure. And literally, from that day, I've pretty much trained every day since. Just instantly knew that's what I wanted to do. It's a world of discipline. Yeah. It's a world of control. There's a, there's a lot of sacrifice, but when your hand gets raised, it's worth it. Yeah, I always believe hard work pays off. I was reading about well, some of the videos you've done. Your role model, it's a good role model, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, May, yeah. I mean, I got there's so many boxing role models out there. Mayweather, I, I appreciate what he's done financially. Um, you know, his kids, kids, kids are settled, and he's done a lot for boxing. It's made it quite mainstream. Um, and then I also like the old school fighters that were sort of blood and guts, like Atoro <laughs> Gatties and the. You know what I mean? kind of fighter are you, Chris? How would you class your style? I'd class myself. Man, clearly. Yeah, as a boxer puncher. So right. Power. But yeah, but also a, a little bit of technical ability behind me. I don't just rely on my power. Um, I look for the shot. Toughest fights? Where would you say what's been your toughest fight in your career overall, including amateur? And, I guess now pro. Probably was in Kazakhstan. A boxer. Right, for the reasons yeah. you said. I boxed the lad. Uh, I think he, I think he was in the top five, or I think he was in the top ten in the world. Um, right, and a he serious was, level. Yeah, he just won the the Asian Games, uh, and he was quite experienced. So it was, a, it was a good landing fight for me. He was tough. Now you describe yourself as skinny but a puncher. Yeah, I can vouch for the skinny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to find out about the puncher side of it. Uh, your style throwing shots to the body would that be? Yeah, I'd say or, that's or my money shot. On the man body was the, my money shot's the body shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I think everyone, I, everyone who I spar or I fight, they always comment on the body shots. And one thing I picked up which I liked, uh, precision beats power. 
Yeah. Timing beats speed. That's that's a good quote. Did you make that one up yourself? I didn't make that one up. I probably found it somewhere. <laughs> he made it up himself. That's a good one. I like that one. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll use I'll take, that one. I'll take the glory for it. Like. <laughs> now, as we say, we're fighting at your call, um, 14th of September. Um, tickets? The best way to support me is if you buy the tickets directly through me. Okay. Um, How can people contact you? Chris? Through my Twitter or through... The best way is my Instagram, which is at c.borky, B-O-U-R-K-E-Y. Uh, just send me a message on that and I'll send them out to you. You're on Twitter as well, which is at underscore... C Bork, underscore, yeah, Bork94. Bork94, C underscore Bork, that's B-O-U-R-K-E 94, and as, as Chris has said, C dot Borky with a Y on the end um, on Instagram, but we'll, we'll put that out as well. Yeah, I mean, even when I was amateur, I always knew the pro style suited me more because I like to take my time and pick my shots. So you more rounds to Exactly, play yeah, so I can break... Yeah, as an amateur, there were so many fights I had. If there was one more round or two more rounds, I probably would have knocked them out or stopped them. Right. But where it's only three rounds, you're, it's, a, it's a sprint, so you don't get much time to... T- to so about as a game of chess, you are assessing your man in the early rounds, yeah. I guess, and then you're looking to yeah. assess where you can... As a pro, you can afford yeah. to start slow and take your time and build into it and get stronger. Um, whereas as an amateur, it's a sprint. You have to start fast straight away. That suits your style. It, the pro suits my style, yeah. One final thing, I, I, um, I've met a few boxers doing this podcast, and one of the things that always struck me is there's a little camaraderie in the gym. There's, there's, there are, for, for a trade and a profession that is built on yeah. control, power, violence, I suppose you call it, they're yeah. often quite mild-mannered, and you strike me as the same kind of yeah. guy. You yeah. know, you're, you're mild-mannered, and yet in the ring. Yeah. I think the switch gets thrown, I guess. Yeah, I think boxers never have anything to prove so we're all sort of yeah I, I, I did a, a walk last year for a mill boxer Charlie um, yeah met a few yeah uh, Johnny 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 Garden Garden yeah and the same kind of impression I spoke to him a little bit at one of the stop off points yeah quite mild mannered yeah and I thought wow that's that is, is interesting that it, I think it probably comes back to your point there's, there's no um, yeah there's a, a kind of a bravado of uh, sorts when you're, you're yeah. you know selling a fight but not in, in your we're, life, pro- we're probably always knackered after training as well <laughs> <laughs> Got no energy. <laughs> That's fantastic, Chris. So let's let's give that um, gig a, a shout. It's on the 14th of September at the York Hall. Yeah. Contact Chris uh, Instagram c dot b-o-u-r-k-e-y for tickets. You buy them direct from in, in, in this. Yeah. So what happens is Frank sends me a load of tickets, and then I have to sell those tickets. And basically, how much are the tickets, sir? Tickets are forty pounds on the floor. £50 balcony and £60 ringside. But yeah, what a lot of people don't realise is, is with boxing, especially the early doors, um, it's all about ticket sales. Yeah. So if you don't sell tickets, you don't fight. My last fight was at your call for a different uh, promoter and I, needed to, I had to sell 65 tickets before I made a penny. Wow. Yeah. So that's your break even. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's different for every show, but right. that last show, it was, it was tough. So we yeah. want to get Millwall bums on yeah, seats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to support a Millwall box, so likes knocking blokes out. His name is Chris Bork. Hopefully one day I'll be fine at the den. <laughs> that, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Um, fantastic stuff, Chris. We'll, we'll put this out on, on the podcast. We'll give it a burst on the, um, on the social media. I know it gets plenty of tickets sold. Thank you. Nice one, mate. Nice one. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365 day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Actong Millwall is the number one Millwall podcast. Accept no substitute. So there you go, the best way to contact Chris for tickets, as he said in the interview there, is to go via Instagram. If you're on Instagram, it's at c.borkey, B-O-U-R-K-E-Y, c.borkey, c.borkey, on Instagram, or else he is on Twitter, and I think that's c, capital C, underscore, Bork, B, capital B, O-U-R-K-E-94 on Twitter. I'll, I'll stick links to that on the on the show notes. And here come the teams for the second half. Hopefully Mill have had a flea in their ear after that somewhat drab for me performance in the first half. Criticism online for Ryan Leonard, some even for Marlon Roman, which I think is a bit harsh. I think he's up against a decent quality winger today. For very, very quick. As Doug has posted to me, not often you see Marlon Romeo beat the pace as we did in the first half. So I, certainly uh, we need to put some vim and some spark in the second half performance. Lyons lining up to kick us off for the second half, attacking the cold blow lane end in the second period, dear listeners. Away we go. This is Jed now on the left side. He beats his man. Chance into across the face of the goal there. A touch. Could have gone in direct. Looks like he's been put behind for a right-sided corner. You can tell the German and the uh, Scandinavian tourists we're in when they're wandering with beers. Everyone's got beers or group in front of me. I mean, good luck to them. I don't, I don't personally care. See how long they laugh. They've actually made it through the first half drinking their, their lager. I think Mr. Stewart maybe have a word now. He's just come in as they've wandered in quite openly displaying beers plenty, Which is technically illegal. <laughs> retreated, whether he'll retreat a long term or not, I don't know. This is going to be more interesting than the football, the, the beer, beer gate is going on in front of me. There's about 20 of them. Most of the blokes armed with, with a, a pint of lager, like Moretti stuff, whatever it is they serve up here. I'll keep you informed. 51 minutes. Awful referee. <laughs> he, uh, 20, I think, has gone, gone over, screaming for a free kick. Referee looked at him for some time whilst he wasn't given that free kick and then has uh, blown up and yellowed him for 20. Cheat, 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 say the far side. Lurch has appeared. The Scharnhorst. Just taking instructions from his brief at the moment, I think. 
This is Mahoney on the right side. He, he finds Jed. He's talking to the wrong people. Getting berated for obstructing their view. This is good entertainment, but it's better than football. This is Hull City coming down the right. That's uh, crossing the box taken well by the goalkeeper. I'm fixated on the Shine Horse merch. Beating up the wrong guy. Sounds like a Bowie song. Arguing with the wrong bloke. He's, uh, he's, he's being directed further, well, further along. <laughs> Just giving his empty. <laughs> Ball into the box is Bradshaw. Whilst this is going on, this drama unfolds. Ball floats across the box. It falls now to Bradshaw. Can't quite get on the rebound shot now. The upshot is Lurch is now retreated, having been used as a basically as a pot man. Um, I think I want to be still knocking around down there to some to some hilarity. It is, it is rather amusing. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> bloke. <laughs> Put his beer out. <laughs> oh dear. Sorry. Meanwhile, there's a football match going on, dear listeners. Nothing's happened basically. The high comedy of Moore. I mean, the, the actual Moore is, is ludicrous, of course. We all know that because you can drink and swig away at any other sporting event apart from football, but there we are. Old player down on the far side, getting treatment. Okay, trudges off the, by the longest distance. I thought there was a rule change to say they had to leave the pitch by the shortest distance, totally ignored by this limp, limp lettuce of a referee. So in, in, in force now, wise security. Highly comic search for beers going in front of me now. Case of the missing lager. Bowman has been escorted out with his beer. Resources went into tracking down that lager. I know it's the more, but there we are. In 66 minutes, and indeed it is John Daddy coming into the, into the fray. John Bradshaw leaves us. Good applause. Ferguson coming in, Connor Mahoney goes out. It's probably a fair call, actually. I've not seen much from Mahoney today, he's been a brilliant uh, su you know, supernova start to a season that's rapidly, rapidly faded away, looks like he may need a rest and a bit of a bit of work in training, but anyway, Shane Ferguson comes into, into the fray, floodlights have come onside the den as it gets dark and dreary, a bit like the game itself, unfortunately, this is really not much to report in this this match, I may well edit this right down to one kind of... Um, you know, a bit like a speed metal 10 second perfect noise kind of thing, you know. Well, howling for the ball to go forwards. Not often you hear that from a Millwall crowd because it's been knocked about in defence. 79 minutes. It is now inside the whole city half. Jed is going down the left wing. Ball into uh, John Daddy, couldn't control, runs through to the goalkeeper. No danger there, dear listeners. It's worked by. John Daddy to win the ball in midfield. He feeds Shane Ferguson, come down the right. We have Jed on the left and uh, Ferguson on the right. I, I don't understand that, but anyway. Yeah, the attack has run out a little bit of momentum because Ferguson has to stop and check to cross the ball, and he's done so now. But head across the... Oh, it's headed from close range, wide to the left post. So who was that? Desperately unlucky. as Ryan Leonard. Best chance of the Millwall second half, best chance apart from the penalty. Little headed uh, crossing from the from the left from the right, headed back from the left, and headed wide from coast by Ryan Leonard. Free kick for the Lions on the left side. Getting darker, mistier. Floodlights are on. The crowd are getting into it. It's taken all game, dear listeners, for this to 
Crank up to this point. The lines are rising from their slumber. The gold Shelley esque on you. Or was it Byron? It might have been Byron. I don't know. One of them. Anyway, enough classical poetry. It comes in from the left from Mahoney. That's far post. Slammed over from. Is it Ferguson? Pierce. Murray Wallace is coming out. Aiden O'Brien's coming in. Interesting move. Ferguson drops back into left back position, presumably. 27 follows through. It's yellow card. That's his off. Two yellow cards. Follow through on Ryan Leonard there, who hops away from that challenge. Second yellow card sees the 27 out of the game with um, two, two minutes of uh, injury time plus whatever he's added on for the endless injury to the goalkeeper there. Crowd urging the ball forwards. Mill will have the ball on the halfway line. This is Marlon. To the last minute of the game, I would guess. Not enough urgency in the middle play for the taste of the middle crowd. We are keeping possession. And there it is. The, ball, the final whistle goes. While we had possession, we didn't get it forwards. Um, basic football intelligence dear listeners well that was a overall that was a poor performance by Mill I know we cranked it up in the last 10 minutes or so but there were large acres of that game where we just uh, weren't creating anything at all whole city will feel they probably should have had the three points with that screamer of a chance missed in the first half our best chance was the header there we are Mill won whole city won not one for the football uh, annals of beauty dear listeners it's the Lucas Bowl Report Millwall frustrated today by Hull City at the Den. I'm home now, my last game probably before I head off to university next month. And it, it was um, a bit of a flat way to end, really. Um, the game itself, Millwall started brightly. Did well, won the penalty of course and went one a lot. Um, and then let in a rather freakish goal. That that doesn't go in very often. Um, whether Bart could have got back to it or not, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Back to judge... Um, as to whether he was quick enough, getting round on it, but it's a it's yeah it's a weird goal. Um, and then rest of the first half, I mean, Mill never really got going again after Hull equalised. Um, it was Hull that was they had more of the ball, but didn't really do a lot with it. Yeah, second half, of course, Mill will get going a bit more, creating some chances. Not no many not many um, clear cut efforts, which was frustrating. The amount that we dominated in the end, and then like. I think it was about the last 15 minutes against 10 men and like the last two or three against nine once uh, McGuinness gets sent off. Frustrating um, to not capitalise on that. Obviously the referee didn't help matters. I thought the referee was very poor throughout. Mill probably could have had another couple of penalties. Hull and Neil Harris has griped about this after the game. That Hull were just defending the man. They weren't defending the ball that was coming in. Um, but Mill's deliveries had to be better and they weren't all that today. They weren't at their best. Mahoney didn't seem to be that willing to put the crosses in today. Jed, I thought Jed Wallace was Mill's best player, put a few good balls in, linked up well with Murray Wallace and Marlon Romeo on both flanks. Played predominantly on the left in the second half, which is obviously different, but it allowed Ferguson to get that angle on his crosses when he came on. Thought Bob Barson did okay when he came on. Um, a few promising moments, flick through the defenders' and, um, legs at one point, which it looked like he might get round to and then slot past the keeper, but couldn't quite get round the defender quickly enough. But there are signs of promise, and he, he looks sharper, Bodvarsson, that's a good thing. Bradshaw and Smith linked up okay at the start of the game, but obviously when the midfield are playing as poorly as they were at one point, then they're linking 
between the midfield and the and the front four really weren't wasn't really there. Much better start than last season, much more settled than last season. I think the difference for Millwall will be when Jason Malumbi starts with Ben Thompson. I think that has the potential to be a very high quality midfield. But come on, you lines. At Tongue Millwall, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey. Stay tuned. Big welcome on the show now to a new voice, Frankie Christou of the News Shopper and the Southern News. Welcome to the show, Frankie. Oh, how are you, right, Nick? How are you doing? Well, I'm frustrated and I'm deflated and I'm exasperated. I was trying to remember another word ending in etted there because that was a really um, poor show for me today. How did you feel about today's performance, Frank? I thought, I thought it, was, it was promising defensively, I'm totally honest. Um, the shot hole out completely. Um, obviously, they, they scored that yeah, that one goal. But other than that, other than the um, the miss from two yards from Stewart, they didn't really have much much to do. But as a total, it's quite it's frustrating offensively in attack. Just just how how we not getting the ball into the box when we have like Matt Smith and then obviously Joe Cooper and stuff and set pieces. And it's just attacking wise, we need to really sharpen up. Because obviously the, the defending problems from last season seem to be put behind us, as, as you've seen with the results in the first month of the season. But it's a strange season in a way, and I don't know, don't know if you'll agree with this. We seem to have the right ingredients in the team. I mean, when that uh, lineup was announced today, I and most people that I read online on on the social media were saying that's that's the right lineup: four four two, Smith and uh, and Bradshaw up front. We've got uh, Mahoney on the wing. We've got Jed back on the wing. Uh, the midfield of, of Ben Thompson and Ryan Leonard. Most people were in agreement with that. It just seems like we've got the ingredients, but we're not quite baking the cake at the moment, Frank. It, it just didn't quite ever take off today. It failed to launch. For me, it's, it's, it's the midfield. Like we, have the, um, we have a really different uh, type of central midfielder at the club. We've got Ben Thompson, who can, who can do both parts of the job and back, back and forth. But his main skill is offensively. Um, is obviously going forward as we saw at the back end of last season. But then we've got Ryan Leonard who, who will run and make tackles. He might not be the best passer in the world, but he does all the dirty work. But when you pair them both together, they, they, they seem to be a stalemate in midfield because Ben Thompson's trying to do yeah. the work of uh, uh, the work that you, Sean Williams used to do. He doesn't do it much anymore, but the, the work he used to do for the team. So I think it's, it, he needs to find the right formula in the mid, midfield and the rest, rest will just click anyway. If we're going to be playing 4-4-2, you need someone like, like maybe a Jason Malumbi. I, I haven't. I've not seen him play yet. No, personally. I've not seen him. Uh, at, at, so I don't know how him and Thompson will work. Maybe it's something they need to see in training. Um, but in, the Thompson Leonard link up in this in a four four two just seems to counteract each other. And for me, it's a central midfield. The four four two is always going to work. But it's also about getting the balls in the boxes. But today there was hardly no crosses in the box. I, I cannot remember Matt Smith even winning a header in the opposition box. But that wasn't because he had a bad game. I mean, Neil, Neil Harris speaking after the game today um, picked out Conor Mahoney um, as having the best crossing stats in the division last season, which is why we've signed him. I think, you know, early showing was, was really promising. But he, he certainly didn't mm. deliver much today. And Neil's actually named him in the post-match comments, which... yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know how you feel about that. I always think picking out some conversations are best done behind the uh, the dressing room door, not in not in the press room. But anyway, um, and you know, and he's mentioned uh, Matt Smith being disappointed with the service he's got. Certainly, we didn't get forward 
enough down down the Connor Mahoney wing, and some of the crossing was was well mediocre for want of a better way to put it. Some of the the set pieces from corners we we never really threatened at all. Where you know you at the start of the season you'd have expected us to, to that to be our strong card. Yeah, well, when when Harris, I was sat in the press room and when Harris said that, and like yeah, Harris, Harris is never the type of manager to, to single out individuals no. on bad performances. He's more than happy to do it for good performances, but when if someone has a bad performance, he, he usually protects his players and he takes the brunt of the bad performance on his own on his own back. But today, when he picked out Conor Mahoney um, afterwards, uh, me and a few other reporters we had a conversation about it, and we thought, is that a good bit of man management from Harris to perk him up a bit because. Obviously, he started well um, in pre-season and against Sociedad, and then he got a few assists from um, corners and whatnot. And he's done. He's started very well from the set piece kind of thing, but his performances as a whole have not been um, great. No, so it could be just me uh, trying to kick him, kick him a bit. A, a, kick, a kick up the backside. Yeah, yeah. Just to say, look, we need, we need, we need more from you. Like, yeah, yeah, we bought you um, for however much we did, a million pounds or so, and you are. Probably one of the first names on the on the on the team sheet if you play well. But at this club, we have wingers who are waiting. Like we brought on Shane Ferguson, who who done well when he come on today. Um, he's always he's industrious. A, a bit more time. Yeah, yeah. Always there's always there's always options. There's always options for me on the on the wings. You know, always Aidan O'Brien can play there. This guy that come back. I don't know how how bad his injury. That's just a bruise foot. But if he comes back, he can easily come back into the side. Do you know what I mean? There's everyone there who can play on the wing. So I think he's just trying to kick up Conor Mahoney because he, he can be cruising at the minute in the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's good if you're cruising um, and you're putting in performances. But he's, he's, he's doing... His performances are not necessarily bad. He's tracking back, he's defending. But it's just that end product of not... He's not, like, he's not trying to take on players as we know he can do. He's not the quickest, but he's got that quick change of pace in the final third and he just needs to get crosses in the box and do that final delivery we all know he's capable of. Yeah, I mean, in the opening game against Preston, when uh, that's my first glimpse of Conor Mahoney in a Millwall shirt and, you know, it, it was kind of hallelujah. We finally got a, a winger that can beat a man, take him on, you know, faint and go one way and go the other and, and that kind of, the, the slightly, the magic quality that we've we've looked for on the wing for some time and that's that magic has certainly faded quite quickly overall. Um one of one of the other points that people have actually asked me to discuss with you, Frankie, so um, I'm going to spring you with one now, really, a little bit, um, is the quality of the substitutions that Neil makes. Um, he gets a lot of flack online for uh, substitutions that don't quite click and don't quite work. I mean, obviously, today's was um, Bradshaw for Bud Varson um, in about, I think about the 60th, uh, 65th minute, something like that. Certainly, Bud Varson, when he did come in, looked a lot more dangerous, you know, we we had a little bit more of an edge to us as soon as he came in, so I can't see how that can be a bad substitution. Um, Mahoney for Ferguson, or Ferguson coming in for Mahoney, we've already touched on, um, and then AOB for for Jed. Um, do you think Neil makes the right substitutions at the right time from your perspective? I mean, is it an area of a fair area um, of criticism in your view? Uh, I'm I'm really not sure to be honest, because usually the starting eleven that starts the game and the, 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 are the ones you need, need to be watching. The Millwall have never been a super sub kind of team from what I, from my memory. Anyway, not, not, in my not in my lifetime. Yeah, right not in my lifetime. Yeah, not in my... You know what I mean? <laughs> so, not in my lifetime either. So, like, it's, 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 you, you, can, you can say, oh, yeah, well, like, if you go back to the midweek game where we were cruising 2-0 and then he makes two defensive substitutions and 
and stuff. But that, that's what every manager does. That do you know what I mean? If you if you go to the top of the Premier League and they're cruising two nil, um, uh, they always like the Fernandinho might come on for Rodri at um for Manchester City, or mm. they might bring on another centre back at um at Liverpool, like the uh, Gomez might come on for them. So defensive substitutions when you're leading is is is, is not. It's not a bad thing. It's just you got to, if you've got to, you're kind of invite, the only thing you're, you're inviting pressure on there, and Harris has seemed to trust these defenders a bit too much. I don't know what you thought of the penalty. It looked a little soft. If I'm going to be really honest, I mean that was one that I thought Matt Smith worked quite nicely. But then we didn't get other penalty shots that looked stronger um, during the course of the game. So you know it's it swings and roundabouts. But I thought he did well to work the penalty, and it was really nicely uh, put away by Jed Wallace to put us one goal in front, which you know, made the, the eventual result all the more painful, really, because I thought we actually opened up quite brightly. Yeah, yeah, we started the game very, very brightly. And I, I thought the penalty was, it was well well taken by Matt Smith um, when he, cause he got his body in the way. Yeah, and he, um, he drew the he, foul. He's yeah. a big lad, so he, he drew the foul and he's a big lad. So if the referee sees a, a big guy like, like Matt Smith going down in the box, it's, it, 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 it's a given foul because he, he, just by his own stature, He's not timid, he's not small, so if he is going down in that nature, he went down. He wasn't a dive, so it, it was a penalty, in my, my opinion. The, the defender's got his body in. But then you go back to the corners uh, where he gets, uh, Matt Smith gets fouled by one of the whole stick defenders, and so does Jay Cooper gets wrestled to the floor. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah, get him. Yeah, yeah. We just don't get him. So maybe if the referee didn't give the, um, the Smith foul in the first half, he might give the second Smith foul um, from the corner and the Jay Cooper foul. But I think referees these days are reluctant not to give away too many many penalties and um, if they seem to be giving away too many penalties players will use that to their advantage and it just brings in uh, more more diving more more in their face yeah you know, what's your view on the equaliser Frank? Frankie I mean, I've written on my notes here oh, it was, world class or was it fluke which one was it for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, no one. Not, the only person who knows that is uh, the, Mil- the scorer. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's the scorer. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he meant it, it's a world class goal. If he if he didn't mean it, it's still a world class goal. <laughs> <laughs> they both end up in the back of the net. Things, I know that much. Um, yeah, they both end up in the back of the net, whether he meant it or not. But even if he if he doesn't if he does go for the goal and he underhits it, it's a good cross. If it's, if it's a cross and he overhits it and it goes in the back of the net, it's a goal. So he, he both um, Harris and um, Grant McCann both said, oh, if he did go for goal, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, uh, be surprised because that's the type of player he is. He was, does it, stuff like that. You've seen him. He does that apparently in training. Yeah. Grant um, said and Harris said he's, he's seen him do it before in matches that in previous games that he's watched him play or against Mill. Although that, I mean, I know one of your tweets and one of the the major talking points of the first half was the, I put a scream right. It was, I mean, it's a wide open goal they missed. Really, I don't, it was much harder to miss that late chance for for Hull City than it was to to score it. It was a quite an incredible miss, but thank you know, thankfully they did because I think if we'd have gone two, got in at half time two one down, it the second half might not mm. look so good for us. But it was it was quite a an amazing chance missed. Yeah, it was it was the the most wonderful miss I've ever seen in football <laughs> personally. From being on the right end of it anyway. Yeah. If a Mill player did it, 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 it it's the worst miss. But I, he, 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 I don't know how he missed it. it. It's harder to not score in that situation. You're you're two or three yards out from goal. Your body's in the right position to shoot. Um, all you you got to do is tap it in the net. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know how he how he missed it. It's, but if it goes in and then Mill were chasing the game, 
it could have been a different result today. So luckily it worked in our favour, but it's definitely one to, to watch out for in the highlight room, watch back and watch back again. It'd probably be up there the miss of the season on soccer AM in the, in the morning. It'd be in one of those so compilations, wouldn't it? Yeah. In it defend, defending as well with, um, with the Preston and the Sheffield Wednesday game, no one switched off. And then attacking today, everyone was putting a shift in to try and score a goal. Usually the old Millwall teams or the Millwall of last season, should, should be say, they would go, um, they would get tired by that time. If they were drawing one or they would just write it out for a draw, they wouldn't try and look for a goal. So it's good sign. It's only the first month of the season. They look fit. They look like they, they do want to win this team. They do want to try and win at least. And you can't fault them. We tried today, didn't come up. But on another day, we, we scored two two or three goals in that situation. Centre perspective is always needed. Uh, we're 12th in the table. Six, played six, nine points from six games. I know it could have been a lot better, Frankie, but... You know, that's not. We, we would settle for that at the end of the season. 12th position is really a pretty good outcome from the opening six fixtures of, of, of the season. And, and, you know, the international break's coming. Let's, let's hope that um, the squad can renew itself a little bit because I think it's been a fairly intense period of football. You know, there's been a lot of football played in, in the month of August. Yeah, it's, it's a great start to the season. If you would have said, I think you would have said to any Mill fan, look, in a month's time, they're going to be 12th and you're, you're going you're, you're to have beaten. Um, uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Preston and drew against West Brom um, at home and drew against Hull. You go, oh, I'll take that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's a great start. Mid, mid-table, we're, start. we're looking looking downwards and there's Stoke Rock Bottom at the moment and they've had an awful start yeah, this season. And who, who would have put Stoke to be Rock Bottom and who, who would have put Swansea and Charlton to be first at, and second? But it's, 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 still, it's still early days. You know what I mean, it's only, uh, we're only six games in. But yeah. at the minute, a consistency is what you look for in a, in, a, in football, and it's been a very consistent month with the outlier of Fulham not not being not included in that. But you take the performance wise of the games of the other five games, they've they've been they've been great in in a way, grabbing points away and, and winning at home, and if not drawing at home, is it, great. So it's fair to say, Frankie Christou's glass is half full, not half empty. Is that a fair way to put it for you? Yeah. Right? Definitely, every every um, every glass is half full. With me. You've always got you've got you've got to be you've got you've got to, you've got to look forward, and you've got to, you've got to be optimistic about about these things. And and I get optimistic based on facts. And and the fact the fact is, we have we have played very well this month, and we have um, gone with, gone above and beyond of what's expected of us in terms of results in the games we've come across this season. And then there's no reason to think that. And he can't carry on in after the international break. Fantastic stuff, Frankie. Really appreciate you coming on the show, mate. That's wonderful. No worries. Thank you for having me. At Tongue Millwall is the number one Millwall podcast. Except no substitute. Randy O'Miser. Yes, indeed, Randy O'Miser. This is a returning feature, dear listeners, for Achtung Millwall. One of the features which I haven't given enough time to in the last couple of seasons for many reasons. Most too boring to go into, as I'm sure you'll appreciate. But I haven't done enough of these little um, historical pieces. I did a few 
a couple of years ago, I think it was now, with Neil Andrews and Jimmy Webb out in Australia. I don't know if you're listening to this, Jim, but I will be in touch to try and do some more of these randomizer features. Um, basically, the principle behind this, for those of you who have never heard of it before, is uh, I go online, select a date at some point between 1885, the formation of Mill Football Club, and now, 2019, as I speak, and we do a random date. Uh, there are such things on, on the internet. It's an amazing thing. Uh, so we, we basically select the nearest Millwall game to this random selected date by the computer. And um, today's date that I've randomly arranged to be selected by Mr. Randy O'Miser computer was the 30th of April, 1965. Now, the nearest game to that day was coincident. It was the day before, last game of the season of the 1964-65 to 65 season. And a game was played at Meadow Lane, Nottingham. Notts County 1, Millwall 2, played on the 29th of April, 1965. Played in front of 7,322 spectators at that famous ground. Sadly, a ground that's um, more recently fallen on very hard times with the uh, relegation of Notts County. The oldest football club, I believe. Um, well, certainly they were in, in the Football League. Not, not now they've been uh, ejected into the into the National League. Um, but Notts County were founded, I believe, it was either 1860 or 1862. I can't remember which one it is. And I'm not going to check it because it's not the point of this particular programme. But I'm sure, it might be 1862. Notts County were formed. Uh, famous name, now sadly playing in the non-league National League. But uh, on the 29th of April... Millwall won promotion from Division 4, dear listeners. We were in Division 4, the lowest tier of the Football League at that point. Um, Millwall won their last game of the season, 2-1. And with that, we earned promotion to the third division. This was under the management, uh, the player management. You learn a lot of things doing these little pieces. And I knew the name Billy Gray as a manager, but I didn't realise he was a player manager. And he actually played in this game at uh, Nottingham. He was a, a winger, I believe. The team for Millwall on this occasion was Alex Stepney in goal. That is a name. Alex Stepney played for the Lions, uh, replaced Reg the Cat Davis, apparently. A couple of seasons or the season before, but certainly Alex was a, a young goalkeeper at this point. Went on to greater glory in his later career at Manchester United, winning the European Cup with the majestic names of George Best, Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, and the famous win at Wembley Stadium uh, for over Benfica for Man United. Then Alex earned his European Cup winners' medal with with United, but he started his career at the Den with us. Alex Stepney in goal. A defence, this is this is full of iconic names. Uh, the defence on this day was Harry Cripps, a young player then. Um, then we've got Brian Snowden, Ken Jones. And I've, a player I don't know, Dennis John. I might come back to Dennis John another time. I haven't done anything on him today. So I've concentrated a little bit on Billy Gray, who was in the midfield. Midfield, I say, Billy Gray. Then we've got Len Julians, Tommy Wilson and Barry Rowan on the, on the wing. Uh, up front this day, Hugh Curran, Scottish international. Hugh Curran, good player. Uh, John Gilchrist was the other striker. Now, interestingly, no substitutes, dear listeners, this day. This was this predates the introduction of substitutes as a principle. Only one substitute was allowed from the 1965-66 season onwards. But this final game of the 64-65 season was played as the starting eleven. So you start and you finished 
with the team that you set out, injuries took them out perhaps, or you played on man's game back then, dear listeners, wasn't it? Billy Gray was the player manager. Interesting character and, and an interesting story, Billy Gray. These are the little um, bits of, you know, the, the little diamonds in the rough, little, the little nuggets of gold that you turn up when you, you do any research into the history of, of, of uh, institutions like Millwall Football Club. That's the one that concerns us today. But M- Billy Gray, born in Ashington, home of Bobby Charlton, Jack Charlton, uh, a hotbed of football in 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 England's northeast, an industrial area, coal mining area, back in these days. He was manager of of, of the Lions from November '63 until May '66, when he resigned. He resigned as manager after quite a a stint of success. Billy Gray. Uh, I've just been reading the majestic work Lions of the South by James Murray. Um, which is an absolute must-have if you ever want to research the history of our club. Uh, but Billy Gray was quite a successful manager. Promotions from Division 4 to Division 3. And uh, in, in the, the game that we're dealing with today was a promotion-winning match from Division 4 into the third division. And then he went on to um, get promoted again, Division 3 to Division 2, forming a team that he felt, and the certainly the the judges of the time felt had the capability to go all the way into into the first top tier, the first division, the old first division. But he resigned in May 1966 to be replaced by Benny Fenton, another great name who took us desperately close in 72 to the top flight. Um, but I became intrigued as to why Billy Gray resigned because these are the issues that fascinate me. Just the way I am, dear listeners. So why did he resign? But let's first look at the life and times of Billy Gray. Uh, William Patrick Gray, born May 27, 24th of May, 1927. Passed away 11th of April, 2011. Uh, I'm reading from Wikipedia here. Uh, He made up of 500 Football League appearances for many, uh, many teams, including Nottingham Forest, Chelsea, Burnley, Millwall and Leighton Orient, and had a short but quite a successful managerial career. And intriguingly, like many other players and personalities involved with our, our, our beloved Lions, he shone brightest at the den. And I always find it interesting. There are some players who move on to so-called bigger and better things. You can probably think of a few as you listen to this piece. Um, others, you know, don't succeed at the den, but some shine brightest. It's almost their stage, and they don't necessarily realise that at the time but uh, yeah managed at Millwall and then resigned in in, in 1966 to move on to Brentford and Notts County uh, to much less success interestingly so a journeyman player really over 500 appearances for, for various clubs he got one cap as an England B international in a 5-0 victory over Switzerland in 1950 but his management was like a like a, a, a short you know like a shooting star really, um, taking over, as Wiki cruelly but probably truthfully puts it, third division strugglers as player manager in November 63. He was unable to prevent relegation that season to the fourth division, but he did guide us then to two successive promotions, 1964-65, culminating in the uh, Notts County 1-0-2 game that we've, we've, we're discussing today, and then 65-66, to 66, promotion again, 
from the third to the second division. Now, Wiki describes his the circumstance of him leaving was a falling out with the club directors, and that always fascinates me. I'm sure it always fascinates you whenever you read a sentence like that, a falling out with the Mill club directors. That's That's never likely to happen, is it? So some research into Lions of the South... Um, gives two versions of events. One which uh, Jim Murray favours uh, relates to an event at a QPR game in the 65-66 season. One of the earliest incidents of what we later came to call football hooliganism. Um, it was a 6-1 loss. Mill got beat 6-1 at QPR. There were promotion rivals in that season. And there were various um, pitch invasions leading to Billy Gray, as Mill manager, appealing for the, the the Mill crowd to clear the pitch. Uh, apparently, the QPR announcer had said if there are any any further pitch invasions that the game would be called off. Well, of course, at the time the Lions were losing six one, so it suddenly made a a, a, a a type of sense, didn't it, to invade the pitch in the hope of getting the game stopped. This was not an uncommon thought process in the uh, early seventies when I st- first started going to Millwall, and clearly it arose in the mid sixties. So football hooliganism is what's that sixty five, sixty six. That's over fifty years ago now. So there's nothing new in this in this world, dear listeners. Um, Billy Gray appealed to the crowd, the Millwall supporters, to clear the pitch and made comments to the effect that uh, you know their actions were damning the good name of Millwall Football Club. And apparently um, afterwards, one of the directors uh, must have said something to the effect of he didn't agree with Gray's choice of words. Um, now, 50 years on, it's going to be very difficult to give you the, the full ins and outs, but I'm guessing that Billy Gray's try to do the right thing, as as he would see it, and perhaps the, the profession of football management would see it. The club director, perhaps, has tried to question the wisdom of knocking our own fans, as maybe now we would we would see it, some of us might see it. So on a point of principle, as a result of that criticism from one of the directors, don't say which one, that might be interesting to know, if anyone does know which director said that, it would be, uh, be you know, it'd be wonderful to find out. Um, but anyway, Billy Gray decided he couldn't continue. In the programme notes, the Lions of the South actually lists his, his words here. So this is Billy Gray's actual words in the um, the programme notes of the time of that season, 65-66 we're talking about now. He says, in the latter stages of the game, the QPR game, I made a broadcast appeal to try and preserve the good name of Millwall FC. Certain unruly elements of our supporters had encroached onto the ground after a warning had been given that the referee would stop the game if this continued. Although some people may not agree, I think I did right, because if game's going to be abandoned due to the behaviour of supporters, then we might as well all pack up now. Uh, that was his. Uh, he gave his resignation into the uh, into into the board of directors. Still, with some games to be played on that on that promotion winning season. Um, the chairman of the time. Mr. Purser, Mickey Purser, famously, asked Gray to stay on in position until promotion had been mathematically assured, which he did, and he set about, um, you know, organising the said promotion from the third division to the second division. But the board of directors, as it's as it's puts here, uh, were seemed to be quite happy to accept his uh, his decision to resign. 
Uh, it was his decision to go, as, as, as Lions of the South says, though the ball did little to talk him out of it. Um, one of the players, Brian Snowden, said at the time, we were probably an average side, an average Millwall side, but this team spirit that Bill has fostered has pulled us through and put us where we are. Team spirit overcoming average players and average potential um, probably sums up the club as a whole. Billy Gray, after leaving the Lions, managed at Brentford and Notts County to, to no great success, um, sadly. Um, clearly, it was one of those situations that I've, I've already mentioned where the man, the club, the support come together and create something bigger than the, the sum of the parts. Um, he later apparently worked as a groundsman, different era of football. Uh, no money in it back then compared with today. He left uh, football management, worked as a groundsman at Meadow Lane and at the city ground in Nottingham. And in retirement, apparently, or away from football management anyway, ran a greengrocer and convenience store on Wallerton Road in Nottingham. Such was the nature of football in 1964, 65, 66. Um, whether it's better or worse, I will leave you to reach your own conclusions on dear listeners so there we are that's the interesting story of billy gray one of our more successful managers he achieved promotion in in two successive seasons the lines of the south when you read it refers to the flowing football the his desire to sign players like rodney marsh he made a bid for rodney marsh then playing for fulham before he would go go on to uh, qpr and, and and success on on a grander scale later in in his career um but as ever the 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 millwall board of directors did not want to invest the money required to bring in players to match the ambition of billy gray this rather sad little story about the resignation and the incidents at qpr somehow um seems to, to i don't know it all seems unbecoming to a man who probably could have achieved a lot for our club and somehow it seems rather small-minded and probably totally totally in keeping with the history of our club of uh, great potential great great prospects just out of reach like tantalus in greek mythology but there we are dear listeners uh, this edition of randy miser i'll call it quits there so Notts county one mill two 1965, 29th of April. Goals, incidentally, that day scored by Len Julians and Barry Rowan. It was the last game of that 64-65 season and the Lions got promoted to Division 3. So, we'll be back again with Randy Miser at some point in the very near future. I hope you enjoyed. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week and we are out of here. Achtung, Mehlball. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.